Hi there, this is David Hayden Jones, otherwise known as Mr. Ketch on Supernatural, and you are listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. When I was a child, my planet Krypton was dying. Okay, not really, but my parents named me Craig McKenzie, and I was put on this earth to consume nerdy content. The problem is, there's just so much. So I did my best, until recently when a website allowed me to force myself upon the world. To most people, I'm a giant nerd who watches too much TV, but in secret, I'm an even bigger nerd who watches even more TV. I do this to talk about it and protect the masses from potentially bad content. This is Neil Before Pod. Joining me on the first step on the DC journey is uh, my faithful fellow podcaster, Chris, or maybe he'd like to be called Chris L., yeah, Chris L, why not? Chris L, yeah, and I'm Craig L, I suppose. Uh, Kryptonians, yay, we're Kryptonians. Um, yeah, so, Supergirl Season 2, that's why you're here. I hope uh, I hope you're realising that. I thought I was here to talk about Avengers Age of Ultron, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll make do. <laughs> You'll make do. Same thing, same thing. Yeah, it's, it's close, I'm sure my notes yeah. will, will, will compare <laughs> fine, they'll cross over fine. Yeah, so... Eagle-eyed listeners will know that we had, eagle-eared listeners even, will know that we've already talked a bit about what the seasons were doing. Uh, we did a podcast on that way, way back, sort of mid-season time to catch up on, on it. But now we're here to kind of talk about the rest of it, as well as uh, everything in context. So we'll just start off without spoilers. What did you think of season two as a season? I think it, overall, I think it was okay. I think it had its down points. I think some of these series are slightly too long. So they have these odd filler episodes that leave you sort of going, oh, why are they doing that? Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think it was good overall, um, but sagged a little bit. It, it, had, it had its down points. Yeah, the major issue I had or at least I thought I had at one point, was that there was no real major arc. You know, there was stuff going on, but nothing was really going anywhere as such until the last couple of episodes or so. Um, it didn't seem like the season had a plan or had a point. But then I was thinking to myself, it is very much a bit of a 90s throwback anyway, in the sense that it wasn't, you know, it's not too heavy with angst and, and all that stuff. So it plays out a bit like, Tonally, it's, it can be seen as a bit similar to the new adventures of Superman, although not quite as cheesy, even though it's still pretty cheesy. So what you kind of had was a replication of the 90s structure, you know, episodic television, with a bit of character stuff thrown in each one to make it feel like things were progressing. But on the whole, you could probably watch any episode of Supergirl and understand what's going on, which is ne- not necessarily the case with something like Arrow or Flash or, or Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, it is, it is a more sort of episodic telling. You could probably miss a couple of episodes and still keep up. Um, the characters would be in pretty much the same situation. Um, I, I kind of agree with you. There was there was a, a bit of a lack, I suppose, of a main arc or a, a central villain. And at one point, you've got about three different villains on the go. You've got your villain of the week. You've got the uh, you've got the parents. You've got Katniss. You've got all this different stuff all, all happening at once, but um, but we'll, we'll let the spoiler canon go off first before we uh, we delve into it. Yes, the spoiler kryptonite, yeah, or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say without spoiling everything, so I think we should just uh, we should just descend into the spoiler zone. Use the spoiler zone projector to go into the spoiler zone. A spoiler zone projector. Yeah, you know, like the Phantom Zone projector. Come on, get the references. Ah, right. It's, it's like an overhead projector, but for the, the spoiler zone. Is that... <laughs> no, no. Superman uses it to put people in the Phantom Zone. No, ah, right. Okay, okay. So it's not like for maths lessons or anything like that. No, it is not. There's no overhead projector. <laughs> I imagine Superman has some kind of hologram thing that he uses. Anyway, that's complete digression. So, let us go into the spoiler zone. Now, 
now we're on the other side, we can say whatever we want, which is great. So, as I've mentioned, uh, this season had a bit of a lack of a through line plot-wise, which was frustrating me at first, but then, you know, I sit and watch Flash and the whole season-long plot frustrates me there. So the fact is Supergirl was frustrating me far less on a weekly basis. So I was just kind of, I was going along for the ride, I was enjoying it. And as always, the the character stuff they did was was pretty first rate, especially this season with certain characters that were problematic last season. So I think it's a good thing that they, they didn't go with the arc-driven television, you know, the whole everything's going to build up to this epic finale sort of chat. Um, I'm, I'm glad that they didn't do that and they did something, I was going to say slightly different, but more old school than different, I would say. Yeah, I mean, they had um, they had sort of odd little recurring villains they sort of popped up for a couple of episodes and then you wouldn't really hear about them for another episode and then they'd sort of pop up again. And you had a little build-up towards the, the mid-season and then you had a little sort of ramp-up towards the end of the, the, the complete season. Um, so, yeah, it was... Uh, I think it worked in a way. I, I, I agree with you. You know, I'm, I know we're going to be talking about Flash on, a, on another podcast, but it is one of those things where if you do have a, an arc that is running for so long, and if you're not enjoying it, especially if it's one that you're enjoying, then you, you're kind of okay with it. If you're not enjoying it a lot, then you're sitting there thinking, "Oh my god, when is this going to be over?" <laughs> and it's, um, yeah, I, I think I think it did all right, and I I do think they lent more on the character-driven stuff in in Supergirl, which uh, in some ways I think was its strength a little bit. It made it stand out slightly from from some of the other shows. And um, they did rescue some characters. I think others went a little bit quieter, but yeah, you know, I think I think they I think they they nailed it pretty much on that front. Yeah, one of my biggest issues with last season was Alex, um, mostly because she was just so ill-defined. Except in the scenes where they were sitting watching Game of Thrones or something, um, you know, where they were just being all sisterly. Those scenes were good, but outside of that, there was very little to Alex. And you know, she was just kind of your badass tough girl working for the secret government agency. Uh, season two, they fixed that by giving her something to do. Fair enough, it was um, it was her finding out, it was her coming to terms with the fact that she's actually gay, which uh, you know was was a great touch for her character. I thought um, I thought it worked so well. Um, eventually, it just became about the purity of this relationship that she developed with Maggie, rather than being about. Um, her sexual orientation and I thought it was you know tastefully done I mean I have no idea what it what it is like to be to come out so I don't know how tastefully they handled it although one of my favorite writers on the AV club who wrote a piece about how she her coming out experience was very similar to Alex's um except for the you know flying alien as a as a adoptive sister and all that stuff um but so it does seem like it, it was hitting the right chords and and it seems that people were relating to it. You know, people were understanding it and, and not objecting to it, which is interesting. Yeah, I think it's something that was handled quite well. Um, the Alex and Maggie relationship was one of the things I actually liked about this season. It was one of those things that I was... I was like, oh, do you know what? It's, it, they've, they've kind of defined the relationship quite well. They went through a rocky patch and solved it up and the the coming out storyline I do think was handled um, pretty soundly to be honest it, it wasn't overblown proportions it wasn't sort of everyone falls out with her or she goes out with you know there's there's so many that we've seen bad and especially over in the UK when you're used to it happening in uh, television soaps and being something which is a, a drawn out process that causes like the biggest tension bomb in the world kind of thing going off um, I think it was handled quite well in the show. Yeah, the the one side of it they didn't touch on, and I actually I understand why they none of the characters were intolerant or changed their the way they see her, because I you know they would do that because preaching about or writing character to be intolerant in a show that's trying to be progressive is is dangerous. It's, it's dangerous in the sense of. Um, how are people going to react to that? Is it going to, you know, will there be letters, so to speak? Um, but also the fact that the character you choose to do that is going to be very difficult to redeem after that. So I understand why they didn't do it, but it's the one angle they didn't approach that I was wondering about. So I would I like to see that approach explored. 
I think because they've already got the the whole show has got the undercurrent of people not liking aliens. Yeah. And the sort of discrimination against aliens to also throw in um homophobia into the mix. And to add all that and might be a bit much or it might confuse the themes. I mean that's it's probably not the right reasons for it, but I, it's possibly one of them. You know, they've they've already got that sort of undercurrent in there. Um, it might play out in a different way further down the line, but like you said, all the characters seem tolerant. Yeah, and it's a small thing. I mean, I think the the fact is that uh, Alex started off being very unsure of herself, being you know rejecting it almost, and then eventually coming to terms with it. I think her journey was was very believable. Certainly, from the point of view of me not knowing exactly what's involved or how people feel and 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 how this affects people's lives and things, but um, I mean, I bought into it. I I thought it was well done. I, th- I thought the emotional beats were correct, and and I liked Maggie as well. You know how she went from being this kind of uh, reluctant re- reluctant partner for Alex at first because she thought this. You know, I've been there. I've been the kind of in the relationship with someone who's just come out and it never works out and the way she kind of comes around to the fact over a period of time as well and also the issues they have um, they feel like proper relationship issues although the fact is, although I didn't like the fact that she was I hate Valentine's Day and I can't believe you would try and make me like Valentine's Day how dare you I thought that was like over dramatic which Supergirl does quite a lot actually but I could see what they were doing. They they put an obstacle in front of them and then they resolve it as a couple. That's that's interesting. And the fact is they grow together as the season progresses. That's quite rare actually, because let's I mean we'll talk about Flash later, but let's look at Flash. Every week they learn nothing and they forget the things they're supposed to have learned. So at least people learn stuff in this show. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you say, there are other shows out there, and we will cover this in another podcast. <laughs> the, the the mistakes loop, and it will be as signposted as everyone sitting in a room going, well, I'm glad we've all learned to get along, and now we're all going to not get along. <laughs> um, you know, or, you know, I'm glad we've learned that we're not going to keep secrets from each other anymore, and instantly there's a scene with someone keeping a secret. It's, uh, it is one of those things, and I think... The the characters in this, I, I don't know if it's just because it's it's a slightly lighter universe as well. There's been a lot more fun, I think. I mean, this just I'm 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 assuming just due to the way the crossovers and the stories and the plot work, this was the one that they managed to get the musical episode into. Um, you know, they there was there was a lot of little fun bits and pieces that they did in here, which kind of lightened it a bit when the other ones have been very very heavy. Um, of late, you know, there's not been a lot of light relief in there. Not that you want it to be a comedy fest every week. Yeah. Um, yeah, the musical episode was actually over on Flash, although it was introduced in this show. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So, but, you know, common mistake, I suppose. Um, and Alex and, uh, well, what was her name? Maggie, or as they call it, Sanvers, the, the shippers on the internet call it Sanvers. I'll give that a shout out, why not? <laughs> um, you know, because it's Sawyer and Danvers, I suppose. Um, very clever connection there. But it wasn't the only show on the... It wasn't the only relationship on the show. We also had Cara and Monel, or Caramel, as people have been calling ah. it. <laughs> some, some serious thought goes into these things, I don't mind telling you. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, Monel, you know, typically handsome alien comes into her life. He seems like a womanizer. He is a womanizer. He cuts about for a bit, and then he realizes that he likes Kara, and then they get together. And at least on the surface, it seems like there's issues there because of the fact that Daxamites and Kryptonians are very, very um, separated in terms of their in terms of politics. I suppose you know, like. Um, it's established early on that Kara is actually very prejudiced against Daxamites. But the interesting thing is she realises her prejudice and she realises she's not being fair to Monel for tarring him with that same brush. So she um, she corrects that, at least for him, although she does exhibit some kind of intolerance to Daxamites here and there. 
But you know, you can't get rid of an intolerance overnight, I suppose. You can't change your entire way of thinking overnight, which is real enough. But the relationship um, was alright. Uh, sometimes it was more believable than others. I found their goodbye very effective when yeah. they had to leave. Um, throughout, I guess, I quite like that they weren't making a big deal of the relationship every week. You know, compared to Flash, where all you see is the milestones in people's relationships, whereas Cara and Monel are just, they're just being. You know, they're just spending time together, just doing stuff. It's not always big ticket emotional moments that, you know, that define the next phase of the relationship. They're just spending time together, and that's that's good. Yeah, I think they they orbited each other for a good while during the show, and like you say, it's another it's another piece of character development. The fact that she recognised the prejudice and moved on, I found it very strange that this character that is very. Uh, pure and light and loving would be the one that would harbour like the deepest I despise I hate I, they are horrible you know and everyone's sort of turning around going what the hell's wrong with you um, element to it um, would would have a, a, a flip that way where she's managed to to get over it and I think that's another part where the sort of character development's really worked the relationship, I think, was good. It still had a lot of the will they, won't they, will they, won't they, will they, won't they, oh, they have um, <laughs> element to it. And then you you have the inevitable spanner in the background, you know, reveal waiting in the background where the audience maybe know or that it's been hinted that, oh, what are you saying might not be the truth. And when that came, I felt it was a bit a bit obvious and a bit clunky, maybe. Yeah. I would have preferred if they had had longer in the happy relationship. It was literally like one episode before where they're going, oh, we're going to move in together and it's going to be brilliant and it's going to be lovely and there's nothing that can stand in our way. And you're like, oh, please don't make it be the next episode. It just seems like it is. And there was exactly the next episode that everything comes tumbling down. Where I do prefer if they leave a little bit of breathing space so it isn't like we've obviously built this tower so that we can knock it down next episode, you know. Yeah. Um but uh, yeah, ap- apart from that, I think it, I think it was pretty good. I mean, it was one of the the core relationships of it. Yeah, there there was two instances of the over dramatization that I could think of. There was the um, the bit where his parents showed up, and it was like, "You lied to me about being the prince of Daxum, and I can't forgive this, and I'm going to need to sing in, in a musical to realize the error of my ways." And <laughs> then um, the other time was when Jeremiah Danvers turned up. Dean Cain uh, showing up and um, and quite obviously being a traitor, you know, nothing nothing about his behaviour suggested that he was on the level in any way. And Monel was like, "You seriously trust this guy? Look, he's so shady." And Kara's like, "No, you don't get to say this. This is my father. Like, we just started going out. You're like horrible. How dare you think this? I just want you to support me. All this crap." But I can understand she's somewhat blinded to the fact that her non-biological father is uh, back but also the fact that she would just dismiss everything one else says is just dramatically convenient that was one of my least favorite episodes that episode <laughs> because it was one where i could not understand half of the characters in there where for a group that a lot of the time goes we must follow the protocol for this we must follow the rules there's no way that we are going to get caught out because we are going to follow everything by the book We'd suddenly flick round or flip round, sorry, and go. Oh, let's just welcome him in, give him access to our database, um, full access to any room that he wants. He can walk about, and and you've got one character which is saying exactly what I imagine everyone in the audience is saying, which is, "What the hell are you doing? <laughs> Behave yourself. Tell him. Oh well, thank you for coming back. Now go and wait in the flat. <laughs> yeah. You're getting nowhere near here. Off you go." And then in months and months' time when we can trust you, then you can get in and you can do all that. But, yeah, I, it was one of those episodes where I didn't understand the characters and they've been quite well defined. But even the sort of Hank Henshaw-type characters that are always like, no, this is by the book and by the rules and we're going to do it this way. And, you know, and inevitably people always go behind his back to get the job done. However, the book and the rules are always punted there. And in this one episode, they just go, nope, we're throwing all that out, in they come. You know, I suppose it would have been a lot of a shorter episode, but it's... Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, in that particular episode, what you should have had was 
maybe Kara and uh, Alex are have let their guards down because they're so happy to have their dad back. That's fine. Monel being on the other side of that, also fine. But I think John Jones should also have been on the other side of that. But I'm happy this guy's back, but I'm going to limit his clearance for now until I'm sure. Because um, uh, we can't even detect this obvious metal arm somehow. Um, which is confusing mm. to me. But uh, yeah, that episode was weird. But the, the Cara and Monel relationship, as I said, worked out pretty well for the most part. I quite like Monel. I like his, his lack of understanding of human culture. You know, where he, he pulled some stuffing out of his mattress because he thinks that's what they were looking for for Thanksgiving, all that kind of stuff. Um, it, just the little vague misunderstandings he has throughout. It's all quite pretty well done. And Although I don't think they handle his growth as a superhero as well as they should have, um, considering that he went from the, you know what, I don't care, I'm just having fun, and then moves on to the, I want to be a hero because Kara wants me to be a hero. And then you don't really see any of that middle point where he tries to develop into a hero. You just kind of get the beginning and end of that, essentially. Yeah, I mean, there's there's two characters that go through that sort of transformation. I don't think neither of them pair up particularly well in the end. Um, you know, you've obviously got uh, James's work as Guardian um, running about in the background, which... Is is another sort of person going from not zero to hero, but you know, just <laughs> it's one of these developments where you're sitting thinking, why? How does this one work? I don't quite understand why. Well, this all is my going friends on. are superheroes. My my friends are superheroes, so I want a suit, and I'm going to go out, and I am going to be a superhero. I'm going to be a not very good superhero. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to cause a lot of problems while I'm out there being a superhero but all my friends are so I'll be out there too and you know they'll look at me and think wow he's a hero too I I, I didn't quite get it I didn't understand that much and I didn't understand why other characters would assist him in that goal either um, without a lot of bribery you know what I mean if he wants to be part of the action why doesn't he just join the DEO as an agent you know what's the, what's the issue there? Um, although I think the character would have been better placed doing uh, journalism stuff. You know, he was essentially the head honcho of Catco, the acting head honcho of Catco. So his opportunity, you know, his opportunity to help people was was you know was far more rooted in that. I think he could have raised awareness for aliens. You know, used uh, his platform to promote a positive stance on aliens he could have you know any number of things that would have been a better use of james than running around in a suit punching things with his shield yeah and it was one of those characters that was kind of missed which is why i was i was happy when cat grant came back towards the end you know it it just brightened the whole thing back up again it was a character that you know at first you know in season one i thought this character's going to get really really annoying to me um, but then I was kind of glad to see her towards the end of yeah. uh, the season. You know, I was like, "Oh, thank God!" You know, um, you know, back in again. But yeah, I, I do think there was elements where he, he more should have the the lesson should have been learned very quickly for James that he could make a lot better impact as the head of this massive media empire than he could running about in in his suit. His best episode was the one where he had to look after the kid. And yes. The and, and and they made specific mention of the fact that he was a young black kid who got bullied, which is, you know, it shouldn't be, but it is different to a young white kid getting bullied. And the fact that, um, the fact that James could relate to that kid on that level, you know, on the level of being different and and having those particular issues that come with race, was was really quite moving and interesting. And it, it just it does show you the impact that character can have on the show if played right. You know, him dressing up in a costume isn't the way to do it. The the best way for him is as we've said, using you know, using his connections, using his resources, using his influence to to do different things. And it gives a reason for Catco to be prominent within the show, which Kara's attempt at being a journalist just did not. Yeah, I mean, 
her foray into journalism still baffles me somewhat. I don't know if it's just because they're trying to go down the same line as a, a Superman front. So they go, well, she works in a newspaper, Clark Kent worked in a newspaper, therefore we'll just do that and it'll work, you know. I, I, I don't know if she was better in the personal assistant role. I, I don't, I, though I suppose they wanted to give her something different and a challenge and then she fills it up and then she's back and then she's not. And I, I don't know. It, it wasn't one of the storylines that kind of grabbed me really or, or, or yeah. foray into journalism. I'm sure I said this on an earlier podcast, but I forget which one. But when Kara was allowed to choose her job at the end of season one, which is crazy uh, in itself. But, you know, it only happens in CW shows, whatever. That's the way life works in CW shows, apparently. But the I would have thought she would have chosen some kind of charitable uh, arm of Capco, um, because that suits her personality more, her ability to help people... Um, there's even certain causes that she could get behind with the resources of a charitable organisation behind her, things like that. Uh, the journalism thing didn't quite work, and you had this whole back and forth with the Snapper Car character who just annoyed the hell out of me throughout, and um, and kept saying things like, uh, you know, unconscious bias and things like that without really giving us context to what that's supposed to mean within the confines of the story. It's like the writer just heard a bunch of journalism business speak and decided to have him spew it out at random intervals. I don't. I don't know if they look at uh, the likes of like a Jonah Jameson type character and go, "Well, we need something a bit like that," or because we've not got Cat Grant, we need someone that's being snappy and bossy and infamy, but we we can't have it the same. Otherwise, people will notice. So they they, they sort of develop these newspaper editor characters who we've now seen in umpteen different TV shows because you know every, every TV show or every program's got the token journalist uh, in their ranks. So, yeah, I, it, 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 he wasn't my least favourite. He did he did have some fun moments and there were some little bits and pieces, but it doesn't make up for the, the loss of Cat Grant up there, I don't think. No. And Cara's journalism career just wasn't strong enough. There was, you know, there was the aspect where she got fired because she abused her position as Supergirl, um, essentially, to, to print something that, that she shouldn't have printed because it was a heavily biased piece of writing. Um, which is fine, you know, like, she stands up for her principles and she made a tough decision, she was punished for it, but two or three episodes later she's back at work, you know, and like... Uh, and my issue with that one was as well, like, when it came up that she had this choice to make about do I use what I know and print it anyway to protect people because it was to protect the aliens... Um, or do I follow whatever protocol my boss has told me and keep my job? And, you know, it's like, hmm, if only she was related to someone that might have faced similar issues in their career that she could have asked. Oh, I mean, who could that be? Well, there's another sort of core relationship, isn't there? Um, yeah. With Clark, I mean, it... it I, I think it was inevitable that they, need, they needed to have uh, Superman in here. But... They, they seem to be scared to use him or scared to deploy him. You've, you've come up with an excellent example of that is when a conversation or a text like they did in the previous series even yeah. would have made sense. It's like, what do you do if these two worlds sort of collide a little bit? Yeah. And it seems... Yeah, it does, it does seem that she could have got that article out in a different way. She could have got it out under a different name or do a... You know, something sly to get it out. Rather it would have been than obvious, though, she like, did. The, yeah. the fact that she was championing it so much, and then a day later it turns up on the internet, you know. Mm. But that would have been a particular good use of, of Superman or of Clark, because it's like, what happens when you know something's right and you can use your influence as a journalist to do it, but it will affect your career because you only have that information because you're Superman? Where does that come from? You know, and she even tries turning up as Supergirl to to talk to Snapper about the, the situation and then he twists it in a way that's like well, this isn't proof that, you know, this isn't enough to go on, I'll need to investigate this further and she's like, this isn't good enough so, because um, she's impatient and borderline incompetent it has to be said uh, in her job but um, it would have been good if even, you wouldn't have had to have Clark in it, although it would have been better if you did but it could have been, I spoke to Clark and he told me this, you know, and then she can have her own reasons for agreeing or disagreeing with him because 
she can ask for advice. She didn't have to take it. Yeah. Yeah, but and that's they're frightened of using Superman and Clark because he could just fly in and solve every problem. But I don't think that I don't think her, her asking for advice when she has an issue that he has a bit of experience on is him solving every problem. It's her taking on board his input and then making her own decision. That's different. But it's as family and friends really do. Is like yeah. if you know someone's been through a situation before or has experience in something, you call them and you ask. And and they don't seem to shy away from that in other aspects of the show, so I don't know why they would do it there. Um No, she forever asks John for advice. You know. Um, definitely, yeah. And they don't I, I don't think they overused um, Superman in the show at all. If anything, they sort of underplayed and made sure yeah. that he didn't take over the the show, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you had the, the finale where they fought and he was like, I was at full strength and you defeated me, which means you're stronger than I am. You know, and it was that was the excuse to have Supergirl running point on the, the problem rather than Superman being like, right, this is my 10th alien invasion, so here we go. Here's how we're going to play it out. And it was the idea that, okay, this is your problem. Well, it's not your problem. You didn't, She didn't cause it. But, you know, this is um, it's your rodeo. I will back you up, whatever you decide to do. And, and that's the way Superman should be in a sense. And I love it how he was like, I have no problems with this. I'm glad you defeated me. Uh, it's fine. I don't mind. Let's just get on with it. And that, that was a good characterization because I would have hated it if he'd been like, how dare you defeat me? I'm Superman. You know, that would have been really bizarre. It wouldn't have been within the character, I don't think, to do that. They're both... Um, they're a bit of light-hearted banter is basically how this show goes if one person yeah. defeats another. So I, I don't think that's that's a problem, per se. I, I think that was, that was handled pretty well. I, I do like the turnaround that they made the two of them fight because I suppose it is one of those inevitable things that folk ask and go, who yeah. would win in a fight between, you know. So they get there. Um, I do think that the big closing fight was a bit of a... It, it wasn't a, a great end to the show, I don't think. The sort of rule-breaking battle, the sort of inevitable... Um, rule breaking that happened when it wasn't going our way at the end uh, I thought it was a bit disappointing but it's it's one of those it's one of those things the, the, the big I'm trying to find the right words here and it's not <laughs> it's not coming to me, it's this time of night um, but I, I do think the last big battle that we get was a bit disappointing, it was a bit over the top for me and a bit of a melodrama type thing I think the the send off and everything was was well played however I think the battle and all the tactics and everything running up to it were all kind of wrong it was it was disappointing from that point of view because a lot of stuff had been very cleverly written up until that point yeah and I agree with you about the the final battle with with Rhea I thought that was not underwhelming, underwhelming is the wrong word, but um, I think it could have been better because what you had was this idea of this honourable combat, that's fine. You know, the idea that, right, one-on-one, uh, you know, it's, it's an honourable thing you've challenged me to, so according to the, the rules of my society, I must obey that rule, so therefore the the winner takes all kind of thing. That's fine. And then the fact that Rhea betrays that, is also fine, because she is a duplicitous so-and-so, so therefore, fine. Yeah, she's not going to follow the rules. But the fact that Kara still continues to follow the rules after she's betrayed her is baffling. It's like, well, you broke the rules, so I'm just going to bring Superman in to kick your ass. You know, like, that that's what probably should have happened. Because she's just like, well, I'm just going to fight you on my own, despite the fact that we have no reason to be honourable anymore. Doesn't yeah. make any sense. It did seem, it did seem sort of out of sorts, and I wasn't sure. I mean, it's a, it's another one of these these things. I mean, like we were talking about with the the sort of I know we've been talking about sort of the character development and things, but that that relationship, Rhea, Supergirl, and um, Monel triangle, which seemed very weird. The character motivation seemed out of whack with the proportion of what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, You know, because at first it's all about reuniting a family, putting the family back together. That's the motivation. Put the family back together. And then by the end of it is we are invading Earth. (laughs) 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 It's it's the stakes have just shot through the roof for no no apparent reason. We've now gone from we were just looking for our son to we now want this planet. Thanks. Uh, We like it here. Um, well, you know how you thought Daxam had been destroyed and all Daxamites have been wiped out except us? Well, look at this fleet of ships that yeah. <laughs> we've, we've got a fleet of floating Daxamites that have been waiting for a home. They're all just standing <laughs> there on the ship going, oh, when, oh, when, oh, when is this portal going to open in front of us? Oh, there it is, finally. Uh, onward, right. we'll, just, we'll just irradiate the atmosphere with lead, a substance which is, by the way, also poisonous to humans. Yeah. So, uh, you know, oh, it's not enough to poison any human, though. You know, it's just enough to kill Daxamites in varying degrees of pain. But, uh, you know, you, you have to have that essential off-button solution because you've got a fleet of ships out there and you've only got one person. So um, what I think, do you do? I you think know? that's when, with these shows, it gets slightly too large when it becomes a massive alien invasion. And, like you say, it does need to come down to a single button or you've got to kill the person who is leading the ships down and then they decide to retreat. You or know, you end, both. Or both, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you need you need all those options to be up there. And it it ends up taken away because where where Supergirl has worked really well is in the relationships and the interpersonal stuff. To then take it to a big grand space battle finale kinda seemed a bit over the top to me. In a, in a sense, I mean, I did like the the city under siege thing. Although, no, Supergirl really hadn't done that before. The first season was just you know mind control and stuff. But so the the city under siege thing, it, it did work to a degree because it, it put them all in a really desperate situation, and you had them all like chasing their tails, and they needed to come up with a plan and stuff like that. And everybody had their part to play in that as well, which was good. And you know, particularly the second last episode, it was very. There was a lot of urgency there as they were trying to figure out what to do and, and ultimately it was about getting to Rhea because she was the, the key mm-hmm. and I thought Terry Hatcher as Rhea was excellent, she was such a delicious villain, uh, just the way she delivered things because she managed to do this, you know, crazy over the top 90s villain uh, type thing very well but she was also did this kind of tender and maternal figure to Lena not not her, not her own mm. son but she did you know, she did that really well, and um, I think Terry Hatcher's a better actress than people give her credit for in some cases. You know, I think she was a lot of fun in this part. I, I and 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 I'd like to think that she really enjoyed what she was doing there because it just seemed like she was having fun with it. Yeah. She she got to play an evil villain, and once when you know, once she kills her husband and and takes the throne, I think it was just like she just gets to go full sort of melodrama villain. It's yeah. brilliant, you know, over over the top, and like you say, they do have these sort of tender moments with um, uh, Lena and doing all this sort of stuff, but the the over-the-top uh, villainy I just thought was, was great. I, I enjoyed her as a villain. I liked the parts of the the city under siege that I did like. As like you say, I, I kind of liked the, the idea that they were sort of an underground movement uh, that were going to be rebellious. I would have liked to have seen that strung out slightly longer, yeah. to be honest. Um, rather than it just being sort of over in a couple of episodes, that element of it I liked. Uh, if it had been the the latter half of the season where the city is properly under siege, properly under alien control, and they're all hunkered in a little bunker or the back of a shop somewhere trying to run a rebellion, I think would be quite a fun turn of events for them. Yeah. It would be a little change, you know? Um, you know, the idea of Cat uh, Grant sort of uh, leading the charge or at least being the public face of the uh, rebellion, uh, <laughs> I thought was fun. You know, it's um, it's just the like I say, it's the the relationship aspect has been a lot stronger in this yeah. than the grand, like you say, building up to a big plot device at the end, like in other shows. So, I I would have liked to have seen a solution or an end that was more along that line. Though we do kind of get it, so so I yeah. can't be too harsh on them for it. And I absolutely loved the way that Cat Grant came back into it. You know, she'd be missing all season. Then it turns out she's on Air Force One because where else would she be? Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Just, <laughs> Cat Grant turns up on Air Force One. And you're like, that seems legit. 
Yeah, that's fine. That seems like exactly where she would be. Uh, yeah. She would be chilling out with the president on the plane at the time of the alien invasion, and you know, and when the plane comes down, does she survive? Oh, of course she does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but it was that it was that bit where uh, you know you've got the president uh, Linda Carter, who's also an alien, trying to you know. Uh, intimidate Rhea, Rhea trying to intimidate her and Cat Grant's like, what's going on here? We're women, we shouldn't be, you know, for want of a better phrase, dick measuring. We have nothing to measure, you know that. And the way she just comes in and, and she's almost diffuses or tries to diffuse the situation and they're like, who the hell are you? And and Cat's just not impressed by any of it. I think that's um, it's perfect. You know, whenever she's in it and she always just cuts through the crap and gets to the bottom of it, uh, even if it's not always successful. But, you know, you... you what you see with Cat is what you get, you know, brutal honesty. You know, just such a funny character, well sort of characterised and written. I just I just kind of like it. Very snappy. Yeah. The put-downs and everything are, are still top-notch. So, really. Yeah. And very heartfelt in the way that she inspires Supergirl and Kara. You know, they're the same person. But in, in both her guises, I mean, you know. And, um, and I like that they finally cleared up the fact that Cat uh, is obviously knows that Kara is Supergirl because she knows everybody else's secret identity. You know, she sussed out the Flash in two minutes last season and, <laughs> and James jumps through the window and she's like, thanks, James. You know, you don't even cover up your eyes. And it's like, she doesn't cover her face. You know, it's like, <laughs> okay, you don't see that. And then it only makes sense if she is, she knows and then pretends that she doesn't. And I'm glad they finally established that. Yeah, no, I, I do, I do like that it, it it works that way. It's like you say, she's worked out everyone else's secrets. She she's very analytical. She's very, you know, she works the situations out. Of course, she would know. Of course, she would notice that her secretary isn't there when Supergirl is, and yeah. they would look the same. And so it's <laughs> and during the rebellion side of things, she's hanging out with Win who is Kara's best friend. She's hanging around with Kara's sister. You know, <laughs> she's like... <laughs> it, turns out, uh, it turns out Supergirl has a boyfriend. Kara also has a boyfriend. You know, it's... Uh, it, things like that. I mean, yeah. obviously, it, I, I was saying that's in season one. Kat must know that Kara is Supergirl and she's pretending she doesn't. Even at the bit where, um, where she pretends that she's found out, I almost feel like that was her way of... Um, her way of putting Kara's mind at ease that she might find out, if you know what I mean. Mm. You know, so it was like, I'm going to pretend I'm finding out and there's it's causing trouble before she finds some way to convince me otherwise. And then um, that's how that happened. So, yeah, they got rid of that at last. Um, so Kara can go on not knowing where we know. We know. We all, re- we all know. It's fine. But we've always known. Uh so another significant relationship they built throughout the season was Kara's friendship with Lena. And I liked how Lena was used, although I was getting a bit sick of the, maybe she's evil. No, she's not. <laughs> maybe she's evil this week. Nope. And, you know, every single time she would make the decision that people would define as the right decision. So like, it was almost like they kept testing if she was a Luther, and she, you know, in the, in the evil sense. And then they didn't. Yeah. And, and every single time they proved that she wasn't. And I was like, I understood this like the second time. You know, what, what you should do is concentrate on developing why she's the way she is and why she's good. And instead of just doing this constant, let's tempt her with something that inspires her to be evil. You know, the. Yeah. Let's, the, let's give her an evil bit of technology that she can use or yeah, you know, well a that, contact that she could develop. And yeah. yeah. Well, that was the most visceral example where she appeared to work with her mother, but she was only betraying her mother so that she could. Um, uh, it was I forget she could make shove that stuff in the atmosphere that does something. Yes, uh, yeah. Um, instead, the, the, she po- the, the sort of poison thing. That yeah, we, for all aliens, <laughs> all aliens, all of them. Yes. Yeah, that made no sense either. It was the the poison that was designed to hurt humans, or I don't know. Uh, and it was repurposed, but it turns out it didn't affect Kryptonians. Despite the fact it was supposed to affect everybody but Kryptonians, I don't know what what nonsense. But yeah, <laughs> um, but the the sentiment was there. The idea was that Lena was tested and then proved her, she proved herself once and for all. But they kept doing it throughout, you know. The um, and her relationship with Rhea as well. That was a particular. She was looking for a mother figure, 
and Rhea was able to exploit that because she was able to give her the, or at least pretend to give her the validation that she always wanted. And she get, I think she genuinely does get that. I think Rhea is genuinely impressed with her, but there's also an air of manipulation there. Oh, there's definite manipulation in there, but she is impressed. I mean, it's it's one of those ones where they, they have played it quite well, where she sort of thinks, oh, well, everyone on Earth is going to be too stupid to understand the stuff that I'm putting out here. And then, you know, slowly realise, oh, no, people do, do get it. There are people that are smart enough in there. And I do think there is an element of admiration in there, slightly, yeah. that the fact that this, this lowly person on Earth is able to, to work the big grand theories behind this, you know, thing that hasn't been invented and is sort of light years ahead of what we've got. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I, I do think there was, there was elements of that there. It is another character that's, like you say, I wish they would stop toying with us with the, is she evil this week? Is she evil this week? Is she evil? And it's more along the lines of, is she evil yet? As if, the, yeah. you know, it is going to build up to, okay, and now she slipped up. Or yeah. now she's she's on the wrong side of this, you know. But, um, like you say, every time, you know, even if it looks like it, she she builds her way back again. Yeah, and I think they might be trying to tease it in the same way that they did in Smallville with Lex, you know, a gradual decline down into villainy. Although with Lena, I'd like to see it go the other way, you know, as a, as a gradual a progression into her becoming a better person. And her friendship with Kara is really well handled, I think. Um, again, you only sporadically see it, and they, they hang out, and, and there's, there's scenes where they're not really doing anything, you know, they're just having lunch and talking about Justin Timberlake. Um, because apparently people still do that in the CW universe, but um, you know, and it's fine. I mean, it's it's not a scene that that affects the plot of the entire episode, but it's a nice little character scene, and you know, it's I quite like it when they have these moments that just, you know, oh, this will tie into this thing that's going to happen in five minutes. So it doesn't have to. I mean, it ties into the overall thread of this these characters' friendship, you know. So by the time you get to the end of the season, you realise that they have done a good job developing it. Yeah, it is those slow build elements. Uh, like like I've, I've said already, if you slowly build on the relationship slowly and over time, it is more believable than if they go from barely knowing each other to being friends in the next episode. Yeah. Best pals who will share, you know, confidential information or whatnot. Yeah, and I thought it was absolutely hilarious when Lena had been chosen to be Monel's bride. You know, lucky her. <laughs> but uh, and and she's like, oh hey, hey you're like Kara's boyfriend. It turns out you're a superpowered alien. And then Supergirl shows up to save her, and it's like, oh, Kara Danvers sent me to rescue you. It is. It's like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> and, you do you do think that must be another one of someone that's pretending or knows or as an element as well? I mean, she. Yeah. You know, we've already established she's a very bright person, so it would seem strange for her not to know but be pretending or at least have a, a massive inkling, especially after like all the events towards the end of this, the season here. Yeah, and it's yeah, Cara did you know that your boyfriend was an alien prince? It's like we're just not going to bring that up apparently. <laughs> yeah, 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 let's just keep that on the down low. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. or or even more the, the fact that, oh uh, where's your boyfriend? Oh, he had to leave? Uh, totally unrelated to the yeah <laughs> yeah uh, I think the one character they did a bit of disservice to in this season was Wynn not that I mean they did so well with him in the beginning because he was in the place he was supposed to be you know he was yeah uh, the DEO was a much better fit for him because he was this master hacker that could do anything better than they could so uh, yeah of course he should be there and then he was James's sidekick for a while which it didn't really work because that Guardian story wasn't working anyway. Then he had that thing with Lyra, which, you know, resulted in her betraying him, playing the long con, and then he forgives her, and it goes on and on and on. And uh, it, it, they struggled to find a place for Win this season, I think, despite the fact he was in the right place. Yeah, I mean, he was in the right place job-wise, where, yeah, he should be the man in the chair sitting there, helping yeah. out, hacking, getting information, doing that. I mean, it was spot on having him there. But yeah, it seemed like they, they they sort of threw a lot at him to see what sticks and what works. Yeah, um, that's the impression I got anyway. They sort of go, okay, we'll give him a, a girlfriend, and once again, I, I give them credit for the fact that they introduced the girlfriend way off from the episode of the long con. You know, it is genuinely a long con through the the series rather than it being 
Um, oh, I just met this girl and she's lovely. Oh my god, she's just stole my stuff. Um, it's like they do introduce it and make it a gradual building relationship, and they did that well, I think. But he he just he he didn't seem to get that that push that he had in previous um, the previous series where he got at least a couple of episodes that didn't revolve fully around him, but but at least developed him a little bit. He was one that that, that sort of missed out this time round, I think. Yeah, and they teased us when he says, I want to meet this Cisco guy. I think we'd be good friends. And then you you don't see that happen. I mean, <laughs> it's got to happen at some point, surely. Uh, uh, it would it's be got a, to happen this, this coming year with the crossover. Everybody's going to meet everybody. I think uh, Cisco, Wynn and Felicity in a room together will just, you know, your TV will explode. It'll just be too much. Geeky fandom will uh, <laughs> will squeeze so loudly that it will be heard in space. That's it. And TVs will blow up everywhere <laughs> and everything will be like, what's what's going on here? What What is life? Um, yeah, poor win. Uh, Jean had some interesting stuff to do. You know, the whole coming to terms with the fact that McGann was a white Martian. So she was the personification of everything he hates while he was also falling for her at the same time. So Almost like another over. relationship that was going on. <laughs> yeah, uh, so many parallels. Um but beyond that, I mean, John wasn't... He, he was kind of in the background, but he was always used, I think. And, uh, yeah, I, I like the character, and I think uh, David Harwood, or Harwood, or whoever you pronounce his name, is uh, is really good. Although, when he was playing Hank Henshaw, the original, he was kind of sucky. You know, with that, that faceplate that doesn't quite fit. And Yeah, the sort of robot Henshaw is a bit... Yeah. Yeah. I'm 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 not a fan of when he, he shows up. Yes, but you know I I do like the John Jones character. I think it's quite fun. It's he's kind of the father figure in there, yeah. which I think is something that they need. So, and I didn't like um, I didn't like uh, Lillian Luther either. I thought she was just she was more cartoonishly evil than anything else, which made it harder. I mean, she had some good scenes with Lena here and there, but on the whole, she was very kind of yeah. She was cartoonishly evil, but not in the fun cartoonishly yeah. evil that was achieved elsewhere. You know what I mean? That's and and because of the previous season, there the idea is that this is a big organisation and it's all planned and it's all working together. However, she just seems to move from a little disaster to another little disaster. They have all these plots on the go at once, and they're all foiled. Yeah, um, and it seemed very bitsy the way it. It panned out in sort of the inevitable betrayals again, you know, where you know we should work together. We need, you know, we have a common enemy, and I totally aren't plotting something evil. Um, yeah. You're going, oh, don't, you know, but yeah, it, it is one of those kind. Of, I would like them to give it a little bit of a rest in the next season, but I don't think we're going to get that. No. Yeah, so that's us worked through. I think most of the characters, if not all of them, uh, and their sort of contribution to the season. Uh, obviously, it was a long season. There was a lot of episodes. Were there any particulars that stood out to you, either in a good or a bad way? I mean, there would be your share of... Yeah, I mean, I've already talked a little bit about my least favourite, which I think was the... Um, when, the you know, Jeremiah comes back from Cadmus and the inevitable betrayal episode. Yeah, kind of which kind of... <laughs> It wasn't that it wasn't dramatic or anything like that. It was just kind of very predictable in the way that it played out. Yeah. And that disappointed me because I was kind of expecting a bit better from them. Um, I'm trying to think of the other one um, that... I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I'm, I'm struggling, to be honest. I bet you've got a good choice, though. Well, my least favourite episode was probably the one with the, the biomass, Biomax stuff. You know, where Lena's ex-boyfriend shows up. Um, he's played by Ravi from iZombie, which made it even more disappointing, because I love that <laughs> guy. Um, it was just a pretty rough and terrible episode. You know, it was you had that whole, you know, reconnecting the love connection between the two of them, which, you know, felt tacked on. You had the misdirect on. Actually... It's my random secretary that appears, that winks at the camera in an earlier scene who turns out to be behind it all. Um, you had that really awkward 
Cara and Monel crashing the dinner date thing. You know, I think a lot of people were annoyed that they confirmed that, that Lena likes men, so therefore might not be attracted to Cara, which disappoints a lot of people. Uh, not me personally. I mean, like, if they did put Lena and Cara in a relationship in a later season, then whatever, you know. But Well, you can um, live it in the fan fiction, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not going to Google that. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to Google it. You've already got it. We know. <laughs> I wrote it. No. <laughs> um, there was one where Cara was being hunted by alien bounty hunters that resulted in, like, two fights. Um, you know, it, it didn't feel quite as oh my god, the entire galaxy's out to get me thanks to this bounty. No, it was like two people, whatever. Um, that one wasn't great. Uh, a couple of my favourites though, I really liked the one where Mitchus Pitalik turned up. And look, I can pronounce that name. I, so, I, 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 I was scared to even say that, so I'm glad you've said <laughs> that. I can just go, well, the episode with him in was quite fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just loved, uh, you know, all the tricks that he played and the way that Kara thwarted it at the end by making him type his name backwards into the Fortress of Solitude. So that, because, uh, you know, to get him to bugger off, you get him to type his name backwards or say his name backwards or something. And it actually reminded me of that, uh, an episode of Superman, the animated series, um, which is gr- it's a great episode. It's, again, the, there's not a lot of jeopardy in it as such, but the... Although the Supergirl episode did, because, you know, he brought Parasite out and things like that. But what you had was this thing where, you know, Superman, a.k.a. Clark, was being persistently annoyed by Mixius Pitalik turning up every three months. Because that was, you know, once you banished him, he would return every three months. And you had this scene where he's sitting in the Daily Planet and he's just sighing. And Lois is like, what's up? And he's like, I've got a, ga- I've got a friend visiting in a, you know, in a week or so who's... You know, who kind of annoys me, and it's and it's like, yeah, that's what it is. He's this annoying friend that you want to get rid of. I mean, in this case, he was randomly wanting to marry her for some reason. But um, thank God he's benevolent and just wants to marry her, and he doesn't want to take over the world. Because well, they, can you blame yeah. him? You know, but, <laughs> although that was one episode where Monel was acting like a child. It's like Kara is clearly not interested in this guy, but you want to kill him anyway. You know, it's weird, as if she was. You know, but. Um, I don't know, that was my only criticism of the episode, really. I thought it was, I thought it was a, look, a lot of fun. And then I liked the reference they made to that during the, the Flash portion of the musical crossover where uh, where Kara says, I've had about all I can stand of magical creeps. Something like that. You know, it was that like... Uh, it was a good episode, though. And I also liked the one with the spaceship that was launching that looked like Alex might get stuck on. Uh, where Kara had to push it, to break it. Although I'd have quite liked to see a couple of episodes of Alex like coming to find her way back from the other side of the universe. That would have been cool. And that's the kind of stuff they should be doing, you know, taking a bit more risks rather than resetting everything to default at the end of the episode. Um, another good episode was the episode called Alex, where she was captured in a Saw-type scenario. Yes, and that was out, good. That was a little bit yeah. different. I liked that. Yeah, and it turned out that it was like the kid... Uh, just a random kid from a season one flashback uh, that, that was behind it because he, he saw what Kara could do and wanted to get back at her and all that stuff so that was quite interesting it was like this shows how carelessness can catch up with you even years later That's um, it was a good episode that and I like how they managed to tie it into that specific flashbacks set of flashbacks in the first season it makes it seem a lot more planned, doesn't it? It's yeah, nice and totally coherent. Not, yeah. You know, it could, yeah, it, it yeah, could yeah. have been anyone, but like, uh, they could have engineered different flashbacks. But it was the idea that no, we've seen this before, and this is an event that happened, and it's you know, it's a persistent issue that she has to be careful around people, and and here's what that one bout of carelessness cost her, that kind of thing. And um, but that was that was a particularly good one. You also had that element of Kara versus Maggie in that episode, you know, as in Supergirl versus the Law. Uh, when is vigilante justice right and wrong and they, they kind of don't make enough of that as they should but it's good um, but it was a good episode it was very tense and and uh, I like the way that Alex's not Alex um, Maggie's police work was the thing that won the day because uh, it's like because Kara's like screw you I'm off to get her and then it ends up like shortening the time she has left things like that I've mentioned a lot of episodes uh, I liked quite a lot of this season you know there's there's some standouts there some some good times I say it's just the one that annoys me. It obviously stands out in my memory, which is uh, bad. Um, 
but yeah, I, I didn't overall I enjoyed it. So it's it's one of those things. There was, there was more good episodes than there were bad episodes, or at least there were more good elements in those episodes than there were yeah bad overall. So, and we talked about this before, but the first episode of the season where Superman turns up was excellent. Yes, uh, great episode. Listen back to the middle mid-season podcast if you want to yes. hear our musings on that. Yeah. If we even did talk about it in detail, but maybe we didn't. No, I get confused about what we talk about over a beer and what we talk about <laughs> on a podcast, to be honest. It does it does sort of merge into one at some point. Uh, you should just be like Richard Nixon and record everything. Who says I don't? <laughs> <laughs> Do you not wonder why I always carry that boom mic with me? Yeah. <laughs> and that tape, that, that tape recorder. Yeah, it's a tape recorder. It's a giant tape recorder. Yeah, well. yeah, big reel-to-reel tape. <laughs> I, I do it so it's nice and obvious. No one can complain that they didn't know they were being recorded. Yeah, because it's illegal to record people that they're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're perfectly aware of it with the boom that's mic the, and the reel-to-reel tape. <laughs> yeah. So just quickly... um. What are your hopes for season three, if you have any? Um, this is where we can talk about the cliffhanger as well. The, you know, the the reveal of the villain from next season, the baby that drinks blood. Yeah, um, I don't know a lot about the comics, so baby that drinks blood for me is a little bit um, confusing. I'm assuming it is a something that is going to be very big. It is a big comic character that everyone's going to get very excited about featuring. I wouldn't say it's a big comic character. All Rain, right. her name is. Ah, well, there you go. Yeah. Um, I knew you would know. Um, so, yeah, I, it's interesting. It's a, it's a baby that drinks blood, so, yeah, who doesn't want to see that on screen? <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, yes, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that they keep on form, to be honest. Um, it's, it's one of those ones I hope that Wynn gets a little bit more to do in the next season i hope that they they drop the majority of the guardian stuff that we haven't quite liked in this or at least they tidy everything up slightly um yeah i'm i'm kind of hopeful i'm I'm looking forward to season three i think they've done a good job of this and i'll i'll look forward to what's coming next how about you uh i'm looking forward to season three as well i think they've got stuff to build on the comic-con trailer makes me a bit trepidatious because it's Oh, Cara Danvers is dead, and I'm so mopey, and it's like, oh, come on. Yeah. I just had to listen to this for an entire season of Flash. You know, don't, don't make me go through that again. This is supposed to be the fun one. Um, but it might not last long beyond the first episode or so, you know, it might, in which case, why they bother doing it. But um, I don't really know what they're actually planning to do this season. I know that Maggie's got a reduced role for some reason. I think she might have another TV show to work on or something like that. But apparently they're not going to use that as an excuse to split them up or kill her off. So that's good. I don't want that to happen. Um, whether the wedding happens or not is another story. May not. Maybe it does. Maybe it's delayed. Maybe it's... I don't know. Whatever. Um, it was a bit of a weird moment anyway. Uh, the character of Rain, um, who is... I can't remember that many details about her, but if you want, click the Wikipedia link or or DC Wiki link, whichever one I use, in the show notes. You'll find out everything you need to know about her prior to the season starting. Or just wait and see what she turns out. I know she's played by Odette Annabelle, who I do really like. I think she's uh, she's very good. Uh, she was in a comedy show I used to watch called Breaking In, which had Christian Slater, and it's very funny. Uh, she's very good at that. I think she'll blend in with the show well. You know, and she's another unspeakably attractive woman that they've managed to get their hands on. So, um, no arguments here. It has to be said. I think uh, your lawyer would like to say they do not have their hands on her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they have hired her for this particular she, acting job. <laughs> <laughs> she drinks blood, like uh, she drinks know. blood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it was just when you were saying, you know, from the trailer, and I wasn't going to mention the trailer because I, I was kind of disappointed when I saw it of her being quite mopey. I'm just thinking how different the voiceover is going to be. You're going to have that very dramatic, uh, exciting music at the beginning, and uh, that voice going, oh, Karen Danvers is dead, and that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm so fed up now. It's all miserable, and my boyfriend's gone, and he can't come back. <laughs> Over this big, exciting sort of crescendo music. Yeah. I mean, on that, what do you think happened to Monel? He'll obviously be back, but he's been sucked into some wormhole to some far-reaching corner of the galaxy, we assume. Yes, um, 
I don't know. It, it seems it's one of these things, isn't it? It's almost like, what are we going to do with him at the end? Uh, do we want to have him back or not? I don't know. We've not written that yet. Uh, yeah. What will we do? Uh, depends wormhole. on the contract negotiations. You know, depends <laughs> on contract negotiations, depends on availability, depends on uh, how we feel it's going, and then we can bring him back. It's a black hole of we can write whatever the hell we want later uh, in there, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's uh we can we can make it you know that he was at the other side of the galaxy and he couldn't get back, or we can make it that he found something there that helps him get over his uh, vulnerability to lead. It's yeah. it's he could end up on War World, he could end up on Apocalypse, he could end up on Daxum, he could end up anywhere. Um, what I would have thought was you know that it's weird how the first instinct was let's send him into space in this very small ship with we assume limited life support and. Definitely limited resources. You know, he doesn't seem to have a food replicator in there. Where would it go? But um, he can't even stand up. I mean, for God's sake. So uh, You don't want to know where he stores his food replicator. (laughs) So, I don't know. There's plenty of ideas that could have been like, hmm, let's maybe send him to Earth 1 and hang around with Barry for a while and I can visit. I see, yeah, I mean, we, we, when we were talking about this, it's like there's there's a portal and an ability to send them to any of these other Earths which are not flooded with lead <laughs> and just store them there for whenever you like or throw them over to one of the other shows. And I suppose what they're not wanting to do is then give the character away to someone else to use, I'm guessing, or they don't have the same tie-in where they can go, well, you're going to have to write this character being around for a couple of episodes, please. You know, even if it was just him turning up part way through. Yeah, well, would it be cool if he was on yeah. Team Flash for three, four weeks, or you know, t- or hung around with the Legends for a while? Yeah, so, you yeah. Know, get get him to thing. get him to turn up, uh, adjust to the new world, and then go out and get a job in a bar somewhere, and have him turn up in the background of a few scenes to say, oh, he's still there, still <laughs> there." Still there, and then they can write him back in. But it depends on if they've got big plans. You know, like you say, he's gone into this wormhole. What's going to happen next? Where is he going to be? So they might have come up with something very exciting to do, or, you know, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But looking forward to it. As always, I'll be watching, I'll be reviewing. There may occasionally be podcasting when we run out of other things to talk about. So who knows? There'll be plenty of Supergirl content to make your way through on both the website and the podcast, because, you know, I like to talk about it. I like to write about it. I like the show. I'm a fan. It's one of my favourites. And any closing statements from the other side? Uh, no, I think I think you've summarised it nicely. Um, I've enjoyed it. I look forward to seeing what happens next. Cool. On that note, we should head into a wormhole and leave. Because there's too much lead in the air. That's not lead, I just let go, sorry. <laughs> so that's what it was, okay. And we ended on a fart joke. <laughs> Why not? Note, Let's end as we started. I'm just going <laughs> to end. So there's nothing else to say. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you for joining and stinking out the room. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Anytime. So, that was our discussion on Supergirl Season 2. Thanks to YouTuber Mstens1117 for the supplied music. If you like what you heard here, then please do subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or any major podcasting app. And we hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod. <laughs>